Hello, and welcome to Wed Talks. I'm Evan. I'm Jess. And I'm Mike. So, we found a kitten. How do you find animals wherever you go? Because, <laughs> who am I? Snow White. Snow, am I Snow White or Cinderella? Snow White's the one that, that like talks to animals and makes them wash all their dishes. And do Jess house. needs one of those. Yeah. I do need something to wash my dishes. <laughs> the stars aligned for us to find Mabel because the Bruins were losing. Yeah. Well, we had walked to Mike's house because Evan wanted to walk. Exercise. And then the Bruins were losing. Big time. And then I wanted to go home. Second intermission. <laughs> And then we were walking home at a faster rate of speed than usual because I just wanted to go home. Yes. And then this cat crossed our paths. The cat came from like 50 feet away down the sidewalk right up to us and wanted attention. And of course, I'm going to give her attention because that's who I am. <laughs> With no intention of actually picking this cat up and keeping her because we have a cat. But I was like, oh, I'll pet you. Hello. And most of the cats in the neighborhood are pet cats. so Yeah, the outdoor pet cats. But it was very evident once I touched her spinal cord and every other bone in her body that she was not somebody's cat. And then I said, well, we have to bring her home and feed her. And she had fleas. They were sucking her dry. She had no fur because of the fleas. She has an underbite and no top incisors, which her vet believes is from malnutrition as a kitten. And she has lungworms. Ew. What are those? It's as gross as it sounds, it's larvae in the lungs that are worms <laughs> ew but all things considered lungworm is good because it's treatable so it's not something that's deadly unless it's not treated but we're treating so yeah shout out to dr holly for helping out dr holly williams at amesbury animal hospital highly recommend dr <laughs> holly williams because she's fucking amazing yeah now we have mabel and She's she's a feisty little. <laughs> she's got five six resting pounds. bitch face times a hundred. She's the yes. most epic grumpy resting bitch face. She uh, is a torty, which means that she's already feisty as fuck because she just walks up to Ove and hisses at him and bitches in his face and then walks away and he just wants to love her and she <laughs> does not allow that. So our cat just loves everything. That he's not afraid of, and <laughs> she won't let him. Definitely, we're going to have problems with her as she gets older. She's already broken through one screen, and let me chase her around the neighborhood till about three in the morning, sobbing <laughs> one night. So, thankfully, she didn't go far. She stayed around the house, but she definitely did not want me to catch her to bring her back in. <laughs> I ended up in our neighbor's driveway where a skunk had ripped into all of their trash bags and was living his best life. Just, he noticed us and just straight up didn't care because we weren't interrupting his Thanksgiving feast. Of he was large, he was, and he kept looking at me like, why are you interrupting my dinner time? I, I didn't want to be interrupted, but then I was, before I knew it, under 
some classic car in a tent trying to catch Mabel (laughs) (laughs) unsuccessfully until she decided she wanted to come in. And that was pretty much what happened. She then came into the front hallway and I shut the door behind her and she was like, okay. I am home. <laughs> and now we don't open the windows. And now we haven't opened our windows. It's getting stuffy in here. Yeah, good thing it's starting to get like, a little bit cooler out. Yeah. But still. But now is the time when I want to open my windows and it like airs everything out and it's nice and cool to sleep at night. Yeah. So I opened my bedroom window from the top and put the screen up top. But she still knows that the screen is up there and she like goes in and is hitting the blinds and like trying to climb blinds so i'm hoping once we spay her maybe in three to six weeks (laughs) (laughs) she's got to go through another round of medication and all that stuff go through another round of lungworm treatment in three weeks and then three weeks after that a repeat of her x-rays and possibly her spay that time meanwhile ove's getting fatter now because she has food out Mabel does um, because she's so tiny and needs to eat all the time and Ove is just like buffet smorgasbord (laughs) and then yeah his diet's been kind of cancelled so how's Mabel gotten along with Norbert Mabel runs the house already (laughs) as soon as she started rebounding and was not dying so hard she uh, is not afraid to come out in a exert herself amongst the animals. (laughs) Yeah, she just growls at Norbert, and Norbert stays nowhere near her. Yeah, Norbert walks in a 10-foot radius around her now. (laughs) His side eye. Yeah, (laughs) Looking at her is so funny. (laughs) I mean, he's got 70 pounds on her, and he's scared of her, which is pretty typical for Norbert. But Yeah. yeah, I'm hoping, you know, as she gets older and realizes she's not threatened her food's not going anywhere she'll start to relax a little bit so just gonna take time meanwhile i'm just gonna keep texting yo all of my cat (laughs) questions (laughs) and concerns (laughs) so who are we talking to today today we're talking to tina of petal and ink My first name is Tina. I'm a Boston native. Um, my business is Petal and Ink. It used to be Tina Marie Designs when I first started out, and it was all hand-lettered items. Uh, and the more and more I got into wedding work, the more I got into floral design with silk flowers. Um, and then I had some requests for real flowers one day, and I did them and loved it. And that's how the Petal and Ink was born. So it kind of ties in the petals, which is the floral design, and the ink is still my hand-lettered items that I do for weddings. I love flowers. I consistently tell Evan that if we, if I was to have a second, second job, it would be as a florist. It's so fun. Uh, because I just love flowers so much. Um, I always like, I always say too, like if we ever get our studio, I'm going to do floral arrangements in our studio. It's so fun because there's so much you can do with it. Yeah. People keep asking me for things for weddings and I've never even heard of it. And I'm just like, okay, sure, we can do that. And, you know, we're just kind of creating things now that we traditionally wouldn't because we're trying to make something from nothing. Um, But it's been, it's great. People are being very creative, which is helpful. Yeah. So you do bouquets. Do you, you do like the whole ceremony setup and reception centerpieces, all of that as well? 
Everything. So from ceremony straight through to the reception, bouquets, boutonnieres. Um, we've been doing a lot of ar arbor work lately. Um, I think it's because people are kind of doing these makeshift ceremonies and they need something to look really good for the ceremony because they're in someone's backyard or they're at like a park or a beach. So I've been doing a lot more arbor work than I'm used to. And I, I find myself gravitating towards that. I think it's a really good creative outlet and it definitely ties everything all together. Yeah. I think it's very easy for an arbor to like make or break that ceremony space. So <laughs> that's, that's yeah, I totally perfect. agree. <laughs> um, do you always have to work with flowers that are in season? Because I feel like I would have been one of those brides who's like, my favorite flowers are hydrangea, but I want them in <laughs> October. Like, so. so so it's definitely more of a challenge to get them when they're not in season, but I purchase everything through the flower market and, you know, they work directly with the farmers and they can kind of resource things that I can't, obviously. Um, so working at the market, you can definitely, you'll pay more for those flowers, but you can definitely get what you're looking for, even if it's kind of off season. So on average, how much time do you usually need for floral setup? For, for the day? For a full setup, it usually takes three to four hours, I'd say, depending on what I'm doing. Um, a lot of times if I'm doing arbor work or, you know, things that are on trees or just cool things in the yard or, you know, whatever for a ceremony, it's done on the spot. So I bring everything there, have my flowers prepared and I build everything there. So I'd say about three to four hours in total. Everything else is done in advance. So I do, it takes about two days to do a full wedding. Mm. Is it just you or do you have help that like helps you set everything up? It is just me wow. right now. Um, That's I think impressive. My, my, boyfriend, <laughs> yeah. my boyfriend thinks he works for Petal and Ink. Um, <laughs> he, he is very helpful. So he does a ton of my deliveries with me. Um, he does all the heavy lifting and the dropping off and the deliveries. So he, he does a ton of work to help me. Um, and then the creative piece of everything, I just kind of fly solo on that one. Yeah, that's awesome. Um I guess a question that I have because I deal with grooms all the time is do you teach them how to do a boutonniere at any point? Because every time nobody knows how to do a boutonniere and I have to usually step in and do all the groomsmen it's boutonnieres. So funny because so it's funny because if you leave them at the church, everyone who works at a church, like everyone, they're they're like, We're not doing those. They have to know how to do them. I don't think anyone wants to put them on. I don't think the groom wants to put them on. Um, I've only done it once because I usually just drop them off. So honestly, I think it ends up being you as a photographer that <laughs> Honestly, I think you guys probably put them on more than anyone. Yeah. It's that and pocket squares, right? Yeah. I don't know anything about pocket squares, so I usually tell them they have to Google pocket squares and I'll just do the boutonnieres, but... I yeah. would do the same thing. Yeah. And I mean, pocket squares are just... I'm like, what do you do? You just shove it in there. Like, it's, just, it's just a handkerchief. Like, I don't understand. I've learned, I've learned to definitely not go near the pocket squares. And then for boutonnieres, <laughs> I always provide two pins because someone always breaks one. Yeah. So that was my... My rule of thumb is always put two in there, you know, and send some extras just in case something happens. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I had one groom a couple of weeks ago that lost one of his pins and I was trying to like get his giant rose boutonniere to like stand up on his lapel with one tiny pin. And I'm like, <laughs> oh my goodness. How is this Yep. Done? I always send extras yeah. now. It's so funny. I learned that the hard way. <laughs> <laughs> um, what happens to all the flowers after the event so like flowers on the arbor and things like I know sometimes people send their centerpieces home with family or whatever but like what about other flowers like the arbor flowers 
So some people are even now disconnecting the arbor. It's on, um, we use zip ties to, to fasten it to what we're putting it onto. You can take it off and because it's already prearranged, some people are taking those to the reception and putting them other places. Mm. Um, I've seen them lay them on the sweetheart table. I've seen them put them in different parts of the ceremony. We actually did a wedding recently where the pews in the church had hanging um, flowers and they actually took them off the pews and put them on the cocktail tables. Nice. Um, as centerpieces. So people are getting innovative with that. What are your favorite types of arrangements and do you have a favorite type of flower? So my favorite flower is definitely hydrangea. Oh yay. <laughs> I just love I, I love the way they look. I feel like they don't need much to go with them and they just look so beautiful. Mm -hmm. Um those those I think are definitely my favorite. My favorite type of arrangement to make is a bridal bouquet. I feel like a lot of brides ask me to do something special with theirs, whether it's adding a picture or a certain type of uh, handkerchief to tie the stems that belong to someone in their family. I feel like it gets a little bit more sentimental. So I like to do something like that. I just think it's a little bit, it's, it's really meaningful to them. So I like, I like that. I like to see their reaction when they see their bridal bouquet. Yeah. How do you go about consulting brides with colors? Cause I, I remember one wedding I had, and this was a few years ago, um, the bridesmaids had like a, a light blue dress and initially the bride said she had picked out like pink flowers, but then her florist recommended these beautiful like orange ones that just popped so gorgeously against those blue dresses. So is that yes. kind of something that you kind of talk to people about is like what color complements what colors? We definitely do. I try not to steer people away from what they really want. Um, you know, if they really want something to be matchy, matchy, because some people do like that. They still like the very old school kind of match the, match the flowers to the dress. Um, but we have, I have a color palette uh, book that I take to all my consults and I show them exactly what you just said. What would be a contrast in color that would make things pop a little bit more. And once they see that kind of, you know, in real life and on paper and see what the colors look like together, it tends to change their mind a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like that was one of the first times that I like walked into a bridal suite and I was like, oh my God, those bouquets against that <laughs> dress. And she was like, I know, right? My florist totally steered me in the great right direction. And I was like, wow, that was like, that's gorgeous. And I, it's just having that eye for, for that pop. So I think people are getting a little bit more comfortable with things that are different now. Mm -hmm. In the beginning, there's a lot of brides who would come in with their moms or, you know, mother of the groom or, you know, all of these people who want to help with the wedding, of course, which is super, super wonderful. Um, but I think that everyone wants what they want and what they think looks really good. So I think when you start to show them kind of outside the box and what other colors they could do, it makes them find their own a little bit more. You know, they kind of have a little bit more of their own voice of what they like and what they don't like. Yeah. Um, and I think in that book I have a book that I bring everywhere with me and they all look at the colors and then they start to you know I have to give them a few days after that because it's a lot to digest um so I always give them a little bit of time after you know that type of meeting for them to really decide what they want to go with for color schemes what's been like the most unique arrangement that you've put together I think the most unique one I guess I'll say I make was one that was that was handpicked that morning from flowers that were outside oh. so she didn't she didn't want, I mean, it wasn't unique in the sense that they were unique flowers. They were, you know, flowers that any gardener could probably grow. Um, but she wanted those flowers from that specific garden to be picked, to use them for their, for her bouquet. So I, it was kind of like a hit or miss. You have to go show up and hope that the flowers look good to be in a bouquet. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's a cool idea though. I yeah. like that. I think it is a lot of people do that. I think now with family um, gardens, if they're growing something at their own house, they want to use those as something sentimental to them. Do you think that 
there's a way that you can kind of tell people that um, things don't have to be super extravagant to, to be beautiful. I feel like there's a lot of times some of our couples are steering in the other direction of flowers just because they're afraid of like the cost of flowers and, and things getting too big. But there's sometimes, I mean, we had a wedding that was a tented wedding and it was literally just, she just had different glass vases with just simple, tiny little flower arrangements in them. And it was so simple and beautiful. Is that something that, that you kind of touch on with people that are maybe like, oh, flowers are just so expensive and I can't afford them. I think that a lot of people have that idea too, because they think, you know, like you just said, they, they think flowers, they think super expensive and they think that everything needs to be very extravagant. Um, I'd say it's the good and bad thing about the internet. Um, I feel like you look online and you look at so many different things. It's easy to get overwhelmed. Smaller arrangements. If I haven't done one personally and show them how beautiful it can look with something just as simple as one rose, you know, in a, in a bud vase or something like that. And it still looks, super elegant and can still be, you know, beautiful for your wedding without, you know, going overboard or spending too much on flowers if you're not comfortable with it. Yeah. I always try to steer people in the direction of flowers just because I love flowers, but. Um... <laughs> and I always ask them what their budget is in, in the, the beginning, because you don't want to show someone something that's super extravagant and have them love it. It's like buying a house, you know, you don't want to show them something that's so far out of their price point that it, they're disappointed if they can't have it. So yeah. I always get a price point first and then get some ideas together before I even meet them just so I'm giving them the most you know the best information for that that they can use that's good do you only do weddings or do you do other events as well I do literally everything so I do a ton of showers baby showers um we do a ton of birthday parties and when I say we I still mean me (laughs) (laughs) I do my friends they like these extravagant birthday parties for every age um engagement parties I know that's a big thing now is everyone's doing engagement parties. I think we're just looking for things to party right now. <laughs> True. Um, so no, I do everything. I do weddings, um, other events, uh, do holidays. So I did a lot of floral design during traditional holidays, like Mother's Day and things like that, where I did hand-tied bouquets. And I was teaching um, classes starting next month, actually. That's awesome. Mm. That's really exciting. Yeah. Um, how do you, what is your best way of marketing? Do you find that people find you through Instagram or Facebook or website? Like what is your number one place where people kind of reach out to you? So definitely Instagram. Mm-hmm. I only had an Instagram up until a couple months ago. And then my sister told me I had to get a Facebook. Um, so I have a Facebook now, but I solely built the entire business um, off of word of mouth and Instagram. You don't, you don't have a website even? No, someone's building it right now. So no, up until this point, we I have no website either. Oh wow, that's impressive. That's that is impressive to yeah. get yeah, that. It's been, yeah, um, it's I, it's been I, honestly I've been very blessed with the amount of people who are you know word of mouth. It's a lot of referrals, which is awesome. But I'm finding Instagram as the main source of um, leads that I'm getting right now. Thank you so much for doing this. I need to work with you too, because I already told my boyfriend, I know the ring is coming. So as soon as it it gets here, I'm like, I already have a photographer. Oh my God, you're really prepared for this. I know. I'm like so excited too. I like see how cute you guys are. And I'm like, I can't wait till they're in front of my camera. Like, can't wait. (laughs) He he loves this stuff too. He he literally wears his pedaling t-shirt and he does all the deliveries and stuff. Like he like eats this stuff up. He loves it. And he's been practicing 
he's like, tell the photographer I'm practicing for it. Oh, I'm like, yay. oh my God, I can't. <laughs> so he should, he should listen pretty well by the time we get to you. Perfect. I'll tell him he's an A plus student. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. 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 Every week we'll be doing a pro tip. This week's pro tip will be sponsored by Handyman Charlie. Don't get screwed. Call Charlie. This episode's pro tip. 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 Take your tip from us. Just the pro tip. Rooms. Make sure your pants have a little extra room so you don't split them on the dance floor. Banana split. I love you. Fantastic interview, folks. Flowers. <laughs> In ink. I love me flowers. You can be a florist someday, too, on top of everything else. Ultimately, my dream is for us to like have our own venue. And then I can arrange flowers and then photograph those flowers. <laughs> you do it all. Like, you would be every person. I and would the, be and every person. Yeah. Me cooking the meals. Mm. Cooking the meals, the music, the DJ, the photographer. <laughs> I definitely couldn't handle cooking on that large of a scale. Well, unless, no. unless I was just making a giant thing of, like, baked ziti for everybody. <laughs> like, then I could do that. Yeah. But, individual, like, if I had to cook. No, you'd offer that as a. Yeah. An option. If I had to cook a hundred pieces of chicken, oh. The, the <laughs> yeah, Sinatra feast yeah. package. The Sinatra feast package. <laughs> Meatballs. <laughs> baked ziti. Italian sausages and peppers. I like that. Me too. So you asked for it, and we're going to give it to you next week. The drama episode. The drama Drama. 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 That was a good one. That was a good one. I like that one. <laughs> <laughs>